Abundant Life. Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you today. My name is Mike, and I have the privilege of continuing this series with you. We're going through a survey of the book of James, and today we're in chapter 3. I want you to remember that when we talk about the book of James, we talk about how it is definitely about putting our faith into action. Right? It is a do book rather than simply a read book. And in that regard, it's much like a book I got when I was just a young adult. It was a workout book uh, by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mentioned that last week. And the interesting thing is I was walking through the offices this week and I, and I popped into Pastor Aaron's office and I saw this on his desk, uh, the same book with a slight modification. <laughs> And I thought it was brilliant. I thought this was, you know, it, it was envisioning the future for himself. And, and I just want you to know that in heaven, when I get my glorified body, it's going to look just like Pastor Aaron's, especially the facial hair. Uh, I want you to know that I grew up in the 80s, which I think we can all agree, the greatest decade ever. It had the greatest music. It had the greatest hairdo, uh, greatest zippered hammer pants, and of course, the greatest movies. And my friends and I watched a movie about a dozen times growing up called Beastmaster. And Beastmaster was this Conan the Barbarian type of movie about this warrior who could talk to and tame the wildest of beasts. And, and so for this message, I looked it up and I realized how incredibly cheesy that movie actually is. It does not age well. Please don't, don't go watch it. But it does have a tie-in, right? Because the idea of taming wild beasts is nothing compared to taming the untamed tongue. So today's message is called Tongue Master. We're going to be talking about what James goes after in chapter 3. In other words, we're going to be talking about talking today. And where James starts is the first thing I want to point out is simply this challenge to listen to God talk. Listen to the things that God has to say to you and to me. See, God speaks for himself, which is why I will always want to point you back to Scripture, back to the Word, because it's the Word that does not return void. Now, teachers, on the other hand, right, that's a whole different topic. And so this is what James says in, in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so I want you to understand, friends, that teaching and leading, this, this is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful calling. But I want you to not miss the power of this verse. You see, what this verse says is every single thing I say, I'm gonna actually stand before Jesus for. I, I'm gonna give an account of. Every lame joke I tell, in other words, like photoshopping Pastor Aaron's face on an Arnold body. Uh, every point of theology I come across as dogmatic about when I'm actually still in process on, or certainly everything I teach but don't live out perfectly, which I need to just be honest with you, is almost everything because, friends, I'm still a work in progress. God is still tightening the loose nuts and bolts in my own life. He's still working on me. And so I just want you to understand the bottom line here. The bottom line is that teachers are the mailmen. Or the male persons. Thank you, Pastor Aaron Baker. The idea is that we are called to deliver the mail. 
We're not called to edit the mail or revise the mail or give our own sort of spin on the mail. We're just called to deliver the mail. And so Abundant Life, here is the mail that I'm called to deliver. And it's simply this, the most amazing truth that the God of the universe loves you and has pursued you and pursues you still in the person of Jesus Christ who provided in his death, his burial and his resurrection, the covering and forgiving, the cleansing and the gracing for all our sins, your sins and my sins, making us right with God. And the life that Jesus invites us to is a life that is full and eternal. It's abundant. It's filled with his spirit and it's filled with his joy and you can embrace his love and you can embrace his life today. And the good news is that this gift is being offered to you and it's being offered to your family and being offered to your loved ones, being offered to your friends and the people who are like you and it's being offered to those people who are unlike you because the heavens is gonna be filled with people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, every class. And, And this is the good news and this is the mail And I'm gonna be judged more strictly if I don't deliver the mail because whether I like it or not, I am a teacher. And James says that teachers are gonna be judged more strictly. Why is this? Well, it's because we use a lot of words. We use a lot of uh, uh, tongue wagging. We cover a lot of topics. There's a lot of pontificating. A lot of chances for things like ego and pride and personal agenda to get in the way. And so the best thing that I can offer is for us to simply listen to God talk. You know, one of the things that I do in terms of my own personal coaching is I lead trips. I I take guys out to this retreat in Montana every summer. And we simply open the Bible and we approach the scriptures relationally. We recognize that every time we open the pages of scripture, it's an opportunity for God to speak directly to us, to speak personally into our lives. It's an opportunity for intimacy with him. And it's just been such an amazing journey to pursue the word like this. We recognize that God speaks to us primarily through his word. And so friends, I do wanna challenge you to to prize his word and to value his word and to open his word and come underneath his word because this is how God can communicate to you on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a moment by moment basis. So just like James, I wanna encourage you to listen to God talk. And then the second truth I wanna bring is to monitor your self-talk. In other words, the Bible has this interesting reflexive balance where we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we have to understand how we love ourselves. We, we love ourselves with the love that God provides for us, and then we offer that same love to others. We are graced by the grace that Jesus provides, and then we offer that grace to others. And, and this is how it, it's supposed to work. But the problem is that there are so many of us who use negative self-talk, who are filling our own minds with lies about ourselves, who are constantly running ourselves down. And when we do this, then we're in a place where it's so much easier to blow up at a friend, to assault a critic, to to respond with self-justification. And we do this with pride or arrogance or whatever else we have in our arsenal. You see, Romans 8, chapter 6 says this, that we are, it says, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
So we're, allow, we're to allow the spirit to, to control our mind and to, to think his thoughts in our heads. And yet so often what we do is we have a tape running in our, in our minds. We have a loop that goes. And it's a loop of negative self-talk, right? So many of us speak to ourselves far more harshly. We, we, we have far more ruthless and vicious things to say about ourselves than we would ever speak to a loved friend or to a family member. And we're running ourselves down. We need to replace those words with God's words. We need to recognize what it is that he says about us in his word, that, that he loves us with an everlasting love, that, that God loves us uh, with this agape, unending, unfailing love, that, that God actually calls us his sons and his daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are seated in the heavenlies with him, that these are the realities that we need to fill our thinking with. That's the loop that we need to build. So we have to, to monitor our self-talk. We have to listen to God talk. And all of this is sort of background to what he's going into in chapter three, which is this, that we need to be wise with our people talk. In other words, how we speak to one another. Be wise with your people talk. So he's gonna launch into this discussion about how we use our tongue and the power of our words. You might know this, that the tongue is the largest voluntary muscle in your body. The largest voluntary muscle in your body. Uh, for some of us, unfortunately, it's a bit involuntary. And we need to use our tongues, James says, for good things, for praise, for kindness, for love, for care, for speaking potential into reality, for forgiveness. You know, words are such a powerful agent for good. I'm curious, have you ever said something that you wish you could take back? That the moment those words left your lips, you wish you could just grab them and gobble them back up? You know, words so often, they're like toothpaste, right? We squeeze the tube and it comes out and, and there's then no way to put it back in. And so it's important for us to, to be wise with how we speak because we've all said things that we have regretted instantly. And so here's where James starts. This is in James chapter three, verse three. And he says, we, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. You see, like a bit in a horse's mouth, the tongue actually guides it. It steers it, it controls it. Or like the rudder of a, sh a ship, the, the tongue actually determines the direction. So there's so much power in the use of our tongue, in, in the use of our words. And so you can think negatively, for example, you use lies or gossip or unkindness, manipulation, justification, bragging, rhetoric of hate, war, right? You see all of this power utilized in a negative way. And it directs you. It actually creates a future that you go into. Think about in your relationships where you use it to hurt others or to withhold love or manipulate. You, you use it through boasting or loose words or rough jesting or inappropriate flirtation or unkind or derogatory comments. And you can see how that would lead you in a specific direction. And so the first challenge that James brings that I want to bring is the challenge to use your tongue to speak life, to speak life. I heard a story of a little girl whose father was a humble bricklayer, 
but he loved her greatly and every day he would hug her and he would say, how is my little Miss America doing today? And when that young girl grew up, she was crowned Miss America. And when I heard that story, it changed the way I took my kids in at night. I would always tuck my kids in and tell them that I loved them. And then I would say, how's my little real estate mogul doing today? Right? Uh, so far, that hasn't paid off. Uh, but I still remember the words that a pastor friend of mine spoke into my life over 30 years ago. I remember that he just put his hand on my shoulder and he just said some things to me about seeing my potential and seeing the hand of God in my life and calling out what an impact I might make to influence other lives or, or to impact God's kingdom. And those words, they were fuel for me. They filled me and they motivated me and they empowered me. And I wanna be honest, they still do. There's such a power in our words for life. James says this in verse two, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone's never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Well, friends, I know that, that we aren't perfect in this. And so I just wanna say, when you find yourself not speaking life, just call yourself out. Just, just declare that, hey, that's not what I want to be about. That's not what I want to communicate to you. Will you forgive me for those words, right? You just ask forgiveness. You course correct. In verse five, he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue's also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Friends, you don't need me to remind us of the fires that ravaged this area last fall, right? It was, it, they were raging throughout this entire region, so much so that there, embers, right? There, there were these coals falling, these lit embers falling from the sky. And, and I know it's so devastating. And it, yet it, it takes such a small thing to start, right? Just, just a firework, just a firecracker, and the whole thing's ablaze. And friends, we understand that is how words work. You might want to think about a comment that was offered to you or even used as a wound against you early in your life, and it just shaped you. It just changed the course of your life. My buddy Paul remembers a time, he was 12 years old, and his dad was having an especially hard day. His dad was just irritated and frustrated and and so it just so happened that at dinner that day, Paul knocked over the milk, spilled the milk on the table, and his father erupted in fury and just looked right at him in front of the whole family and said, Paul, why are you such a little fill in the blank? And the word that he used to fill in the blank was a rated R word, and it connotated weakness. It was a wound. It was like an ax blow against Paul's masculinity. And Paul then changed the whole trajectory of his teenage years. It was all about him proving to himself that he was actually man enough. And he threw himself in athletics and he threw himself into physical relationships with women. And then he ended up joining uh, the military. He wanted to become, in his own words, the, the baddest SOB on planet earth simply because of a hurtful comment his father made to him when he was 12. Wow. And you might think of words that were levied as wounds against you. A football coach grabbed your mask and said, you're worthless on the field. 
or uh, somebody who you thought was a loved one, a significant other said, you know, I never really loved you anyway. Or maybe a sibling or a friend at one point says to you, why are you such an idiot? And these words just wound and you, you feel the power of these words and you realize, yeah, James is absolutely right. Those are a fire and they are fueled by a deeper and more insidious fire. And friends, I just want to say that if you have been wounded by words in your past, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And my prayer is that today you would simply invite Jesus into that wound. You would let Jesus come into that space that is wounded and ragged and hurting and you would allow him to speak his words of healing. You'd allow him to speak his words of kindness. You'd allow Jesus to come in and, and be there and then I pray that you'd be able to release these people and, and forgive them. But this brings us to the next thing that we do with our words and that is the challenge that James brings to be kind, to be kind with our words. When I was growing up, I was taught a little song in Sunday school, and it was based on the words of Ephesians 4.32, which says this in the King James, it says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do, 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 ba, do, 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 Ephesians 4.32. And I offer that to you for free. You can take that. You can run with it. But it's a great truth, right? This idea of be kind to one another, tenderhearted. We forgive one another. Why? Because Christ has forgiven us. It's all reflexive. And so I want to challenge you, Abundant Life, that when somebody is coming against you, when you're in an argument, when people are throwing fire at you with their words, right, you don't respond in kind. You respond like this verse says. Because have you ever heard the phrase fight fire with fire? you do realize that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? You actually don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with water. Unless, of course, it's a grease fire, in which case you use baking soda, but that's beside the point. It kind of wrecks the metaphor. The idea is when somebody's throwing fire at you with their words, you respond with the water of kindness. You put the thing out by being kind, by being tenderhearted, right? By forgiving them as Christ has forgiven you. James says this in verse seven. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Right, that goes back to the beast master idea, right? It's easy to tame beasts compared to this thing in our mouths, right? It, 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 let me handle a spitting cobra. That's a piece of cake compared to this thing that lies behind my teeth, right? Shamu is simple compared to this baby. And of course, in our culture today, it's so crazy that people are actually proud of their inability to tame their tongue. And so they'll just kind of boast about it. They'll say things like, well, I just speak my mind. I just say whatever comes to mind. I'm like, well, could you, could you engage your mind a little bit more before you speak, right? Could you remember that self-editing is actually a superpower in our world today? You know, it's funny. I read a story about Abraham Lincoln, and as he would respond to his critics, he would write them letters, he wrote several letters over the course of his presidency, and, and he would write his critics' letters, but then he would set the letter aside for 24 hours before he would decide to send it. And that was just so that he could ref reflect on whether or not he really wanted to represent himself with those words. 
And then of course he'd mail it and it wouldn't get there for another six months. It's a little bit different than our world today, right? Because today you can text somebody back instantly. You can call them back instantly. You, you can email them instantly. You can Facebook status update. You can tweet. Inst- all of these responses are instantaneous. And so the challenge is, you know, why don't we wait just a minute? Why don't we take a pause? Maybe, maybe spend a moment in prayer before we send off that response to a critic. It says in verse nine, when with the tongue, we praise our Lord and father and with him we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see, you can't praise God and then curse men that are made in God's image, James is saying. This, this is an inconsistency. It, it's not supposed to happen. And then he says this, true nature is revealed in the fruit. It, it's beautiful. It makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I'm no botanist, but if I see grapefruit hanging from a tree, I'm gonna be tempted to conclude that is a grapefruit tree. That's just how nature works. There, there's an integrity to it. And what James is talking about, it's exactly what Jesus, his brother talks about in the, the book of Luke. Jesus says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his, for out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You see, this is the integrity piece, right? This is the reality of we're to be on the outside who we are on the inside. We're to be on the inside who we are on the outside. And, and the idea of fruit, it's a, it's a beautiful picture, right? We'd all be surprised if I peeled a banana and found not the fruit of a banana inside, but my missing car keys, right? It just doesn't happen that way. There, there's this integrity to the way nature works. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And that's what James is talking about. And so that's what we need to go after. The same on the outside as we are on the inside. We need to bring forth good words out of the good that's stored up in our heart, because that's where Jesus resides. And so we're to speak life and we're to be kind to one another. And I just want to ask you, friends, have you allowed Jesus to speak his words of kindness over you? Have you received the kindness of his love into your life and into your heart as well? Have you allowed him to call you his own, to woo you into a relationship of love that starts now and lasts for all eternity? So friends, if you haven't, I just wanna invite you today to say yes to his kindness to allow his kindness to lead you into repentance, to allow his kindness to transform your life. Because once you allow his kindness to fill you, then you're able to offer it freely to others. And then lastly, James says this. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. The last challenge here is the challenge to listen much to listen well and to listen much. This is why God's given us two ears and only one mouth, right? And and the idea is not only listen a lot, but listen well so that we can actually hear what's going on underneath the words that are being spoken. 
Because so often the words that someone shares with us, underneath them is a wound. Underneath them are, is some pain. Underneath those words is a story. And we're to use his discernment to really listen to what's going on underneath the surface. And not only that, friends, but listening much makes you look good. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament says these things. It says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. You want to seem intelligent? Just don't talk a lot. And in another verse, it says this. I love this verse, Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Some vers- uh, versions actually say this. Be sensible and shut the flow. I love that phrase. Shut the flow, man. Shut the flow. Okay. And a really great context to practice all these things we've been talking about is is the context of a small group. It's a context of doing life together with like-minded folks who are on the journey with Jesus, just like you are. It's a great opportunity to temper your words and to work on how it is that you steward your tongue. It's also a great beta test place to, to go ahead and test out all of the things you're experiencing along the course of your faith journey as you walk this road with Jesus. But when it comes to our words, I would conclude with this in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say. Friends, the things that we say, may they be things that build one another up. May they, may, may they be things that encourage and empower and inspire. May, may they be things that draw potential out of someone and that raise them and elevate them to the very best selves that they can be. You know, when my kids were just little, my daughter, she's actually 20 now. And so I, I think about this with, with such fondness. When she was just four years old, five years old, my daughter, Alex, she, she would like to have what I call love fights with us. And so it would be something like this, that I would be tucking her in bed at night and, and I would pray with her and then just snuggle her a little bit and I'd say, you know, good night, sweetheart, I love you. And she would say, um, no, dad, I, I love you more. And, and that would be on. The, suddenly the fight would have begun and then I would say, uh, no, no, baby. I love you more than all the waves in all the oceans in all the world. And she knows for me as a surfer in exile, that, that's a lot of love. And she'd say, no, no, dad, I love you more than Mount Rainier if it were made of ice cream. And I know for her, that was a lot of love. And then I would say, well, baby, I love you more than the entire world if it was one venti caramel macchiato and and she'd know that was a lot. And, and then she would say, oh, dad, you're, you're dead meat because I love you more than all of the stars and all the galaxies and all the universe. I, I love you more than anything, including Hannah Montana. And I'd say, well, I guess you win. I guess we just love each other. And I mention that because I want you to understand the power that words convey right? These words, these utterances, right? These little syllables projected. In the English language, you're literally talking about 26 letters arranged 
in different combinations. You're literally talking about five vowels, six if you count Y, 21 consonants. You're, you're talking about something so simple and yet life and death, blessing and curse, good and evil. You're talking about something so powerful. So friends, choose your words wisely. Amen. Let us ask God for his help, for us, all of us, to be tongue masters. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus Christ, I want to say thank you for the way that you have loved us. Thank you for the way that your words over us are words of love. They are words of kindness. They are words of of forgiveness and grace. They are words of promise and blessing. They are words of invitation. And Jesus, we are so thankful for your words over us. We receive them today and we ask for your help, for your leadership and for your courage in the way we use our words. First and foremost, with our, with our families, with our spouses, our significant others, with our children, with our parents. And then we ask that you would allow the good things that we have in our hearts to spill out through our words into all of our conversations throughout all of our days. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.